that's a twofer because I hope, number one, that stirred your heart to get involved in our missions ministry. You know, there are a lot of you out there that have never one time been on a mission trip, never even thought about it, and here's what you've let the devil tell you. You've let the devil tell you, I, I, I can't go on a mission trip. I, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a, I, I don't have that kind of giftedness. I can't preach. Well, you can be kind. You can give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. You, you, you can uh, take a little color book and tell children about how Jesus loves them, how Jesus saved them. And you know what missions really is? It really is just us leaving here, going somewhere else, and showing other people the kindness of Jesus. I, I've um, been privileged to live a, a good, rich life. I was telling Teresa the other day, and I really mean this, if I died today, I have no regrets. I've lived a rich, full life. I've, I've traveled the world. I've, I've met people I never thought I would meet, been in places I never thought I would be in. And, and one of the advantages of growing older and getting a few more years under your belt is the opportunity to learn. And, and I want to just say something to, to those of you, if you're in the senior adult crowd or you're, say, 55 or older, I'll just kind of pick out a, a random number. I, I hope you'll hear what I'm about to tell you because it, for some of you, you've really quit living. And you say, well, why do you say that? Because if you're not learning, you're really not living. I don't care if you've got a great 401K. I, I don't care if you're having a great time in retirement. I don't care if you're you know, out there, you get to play golf, whatever you want to play golf or shuffleboard or bingo or whatever it is you all, you're know, getting into. If you're not learning, you're really not living. The day you quit learning, the day you lose your desire to quit learning, your life is basically over because... The longer you live, the more you can learn. I have a goal in my life. I've had this goal probably for 40 years, oh, maybe over 40 years. It goes back even before I graduated from high school. I made a determination, and I don't think I've ever missed a day yet doing this. I made a determination. I'm going to learn something new every day, and, and I really do. I do that, whether it's uh, like this morning. I, I had my quiet time real, real, real early this morning, and then uh, I, I worked out before I came to church. And, and part one of the things I do, I, I have a Stairmaster, and I get on the Stairmaster, I get to read. And so I, I, I pick out certain articles uh, that, that I want to, uh, and it'll always be on a subject I don't know very much about. And I will read, and I always learn something. And I've learned a lot, and I still have a lot to learn. And matter of fact, you, let me tell you how you know you're really learning. When you finally wake up one morning and, feel, and, and realize you don't know squat about a lot, you've learned a lot. All right, and the more I learn, the more I realize I don't. Know, I really don't know squat about a lot. But I want to tell you one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my life. This would be in my top five lessons I've learned in my entire life. You ready? It pays to be kind. It pays to be kind. A, a surefire way to win friends and influence people is just to be kind. A sure way to tear down walls and build bridges is to be kind. Kindness can be the sweetener in the tea of a marriage. Parents, you'll never teach your children a more important lesson than to be kind. Let, let me tell you something that happened to me this week. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because I'm not. There are times I get preoccupied, and there are times that I'm sure some of you have passed me in the hall, and I've had a thousand things on my mind, and maybe I forgot to speak or whatever. And if I ever do that, just you know, give me the benefit of the doubt. Please forgive me. I don't mean to you know come across like a you know a Florida Gator or somebody like that. But <laughs> I, I was going. I was flying out to Jacksonville. I was flying to Jacksonville this week to preach. There's a guy at the security, stands in front of the security gate where, you, where frequent flyers get to go. 
And uh, his name's, I'll just call him Joe. I won't call his real name. I don't want me to do that. His name's Joe. He watches me on TV every single Sunday. Never missed me on TV. Well, uh, you know, we, uh, every time I see, man, I, and I started this. First time he ever met me, I was going through, and, he's, and uh, I, I, was, I had my ticket out to show him where I could go through this line. And he said, I know who you are. I've been wanting to meet you. I watch you on TV every Sunday, you know, the whole the rigmarole. And I said, oh, man, I'm so glad you watch me. And I just have one request. Every time you watch me, please pray for me and so on and so forth. Hugged his neck, said, man, look, look forward to seeing you. Well, every time I go, I always hug his neck. And, how you doing? Good to see you. And, you know, everybody's always wondering. He has to, you know, he has to look at everybody's uh, ticket and he has to look at everybody's driver's license. He never looks at mine. I, I guess, they, you know, people think I'm a you know, VIP, but he's, you know, he's who I am. So this past week, I, I was going through, and I said, Joe, how you doing? I went up, I hugged his neck, and let me tell you what he said to me, and it just reminded me of people always watching. He said, you, can I tell you something about you that really blesses me? I said, what's that? He said, I see a lot of these big TV preachers walk through, and he says, they don't know me, but I know them. And he said, they act so important, and they act so high and mighty, and he said, they'll barely speak. In fact, some of them get offended if I don't, you know, pretend I don't recognize who they are. And he said, you know, you, you've just never been that way. And I said, well, let me, let me, can I explain to you why? I said, uh, my mother goes to my church. <laughs> I, I, I know who I am. I, 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 know, I know where I came from. But the point I'm making is this. What I have just done with that guy that's just kind of natural to me, he noticed that. He sees that. He watches that. And I'm telling you, it pays to be kind. And the reason why I want to talk about kindness today is because, in my opinion, and I think a lot of you would agree with this. Kindness is becoming an increasingly rare commodity in our society. It's becoming an increasingly rare commodity in our culture. We have become a society in which the milk of human kindness is spoiled. In a, in a recent U.S. News World Report poll, listen to this. 89% of Americans think that rudeness, incivility, and a lack of kindness has become a serious problem. More than three in four says it has gotten worse in the last 10 years. And, and, and let me tell you, talking about people watching you, there's a man that owns a business, goes to our church. His business is not far from here. He told me the story of a man who used to go to this church. He doesn't go here anymore. He told me the story of a man who went into their business and was rude and was demanding and was, 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 was anything but kind. Three of the people that work for this man's business are not believers, three of them. When the man left, one of the people that works for this man looked at him and said, does he go to your church? Well, yeah, and here's all she said. If that's the kind of people that go to your church, that's why I won't ever go to your church, and that's why I don't go to church. It pays to be kind. It, it really pays to be courteous. And, and, and you, you think about it, you, you would be hard-pressed to ever go even one day in your life when you won't meet at least one person that doesn't need a kind word. And on the other hand, it is impossible not to be unbelievably blessed when somebody goes out of their way to give you a kind word or do a kind deed for you. You know, there's an old saying that goes, kill them with kindness. You know, I've learned that is true. Kill them with kindness. You, you can really do that with people. You can kill animosity. You can kill bitterness. You can kill anger. You can kill hard feelings with just a little kindness. And I, I was trying to think of what is a good definition of kindness. And I came up, this is my own homemade definition. Kindness is treating others the way God treats you. That, that's all it is. 
The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, was a walking, talking example of how to be kind. If you go back and study the four Gospels, you'll find something amazing about Jesus Christ. It's one of the things that really endears me to Jesus. Here was a man who walked on water, healed the sick, raised the dead, fed the crowds, made the blind to see, made the deaf to hear, even went so far as to provide salvation for the entire world. And yet when you read the Gospels, here's what really blesses me about Jesus. You, you see, he never, ever turned anybody away that wanted to see him, never. He never said, come back later. He never said, I don't have time. He never said, quit bothering me with these trivial matters. He always had time for a kind word and a kind deed. Now, what's even more remarkable is, if you go back to the days when Jesus came into this planet, he came into a very unkind world because in his day, there were no hospitals. There were no orphanages. There were no mental institutions. There were no salvation armies. There were no red crosses. None of these things were in existence in the world. You talk about a dog-eat-dog world. When you came into the world of Jesus, everybody had the same attitude. It's every man for himself. Look out for yourself. Look out for number one. Kindness was the furthest thing from their mind, and yet I believe one of the things that drew people to Jesus was the way he had this ability to pour the milk of human kindness into every bowl of human suffering that he came across. He was kind to people who loved him. He was kind to people who hated him. Now, I, I don't mind telling you, and I'm going to be just transparent. I've been transparent in this series the entire time we've been preaching. The heart, one of the hardest parts of the Bible for me to want to obey, frankly, I'm just being honest, is the part where Jesus tells me to love my enemies. That's hard. But Jesus said in Luke 6.35, he tells us why we're to love our enemies. Listen to Luke 6, verse 35. We'll throw it up on the screen. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your Lord will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Now, watch this statement. Listen to this. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Now, think about that. God is kind even to people who don't even care about his kindness. God is kind to people who ignore his kindness. God is kind to people who aren't even thankful for his kindness. God is kind to people who are evil. God is kind to people to those who hate the very idea of God himself. He is kind to those who don't even want anything to have to do with him, to those that don't even believe in him. Now, that tells me something about kindness. Kindness is what we give even to people we think don't deserve it. Kindness is what we give even to people that we think don't deserve it. Now, if you're a guest of ours this morning, and this is the first time you've been here for a while, we've been in a series called Tasting, and I have to tell you something that's really fascinated me, has really blown me away, really. I found out last week, we have sold more DVDs and CDs of this series than anything I've done since I've been at this church. And, 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 and we've, evidently, we've touched a chord. We've really touched some strings here with this, with this series. And, and if you're not here and you say, well, what is it all about? It's based on the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5. The Bible says in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, let's all say those together. We've been doing that the last couple of weeks. So don't, don't cheat now. Let's just kind of say it together, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I, I told our folks earlier several weeks ago, God is really into fruit for some reason. Because if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, you'll find that the very first diet he put the first couple on from all intents and purposes was vegetables and fruit. Now, I thought about that, and I thought, why, why is God so much into fruit? You know, Jesus said to the disciples, be fruitful. Uh, he, uh, God said in the book of Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. And, and so I asked the question, why is God into fruit? Why is God such a big, 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 big person on fruit? And, 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 and you know, it, it, I've told you before, it hit me. Fruit is one of those rare, rare foods that is both good to you and it's good for you. Uh, I, I've never met anybody, I've said this repeatedly, that doesn't like at least one kind of fruit. There may be certain kinds of fruit you don't like. For example, I don't like grapefruit, okay? Grapefruit is just, you know, it's, it's grapefruit and, and collard greens are kind of in the same category for me, okay? I, I just don't like grapefruit. It's very tard and, 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 and you know, puts a, it's, just, it's just not good. I don't like grapefruit. But except for grapefruit, there's hardly a fruit. I eat apples every day. I eat bananas every day. I mean, because number one, they're good to you. Number two, they're good for you. Now, as God's Holy Spirit lives in a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, let me just kind of explain this to you. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, God comes to live in your heart in the person of the Holy Spirit. And your job for the rest of your life from that moment on, once you surrender your life to Christ, your job from that moment on is simply to let the Spirit of God live His life through you. The Bible calls it walking in the Spirit or living in the Spirit. And what the Spirit of God wants to do is He wants to bear through you the character qualities that just like fruit will make us both attractive to others and influential with others. You know, think about this. You know, we, we said this to you repeatedly. What if you and your spouse on a 24-7 basis always bore the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? You think your marriage might be better? You think your marriage might be a little more happy? You think you might get along better with people that you work with if they bore the fruit of the Spirit? You think your boss would be easier to get along with? You think you would be easier to get along with if you would just bear those character traits of the fruit of the Spirit? So we've been kind of working our way through that fruit. We've talked about love, joy, peace, patience. Now today, we come to the fruit called kindness. If you're on a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in the middle of the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at two verses today and let that kind of be our springboard about what we're going to talk about, Proverbs chapter 3 and Proverbs chapter 19. The wisest man who ever lived, a man named Solomon, wrote a book in the Bible called Proverbs. And the and, and reason I read Proverbs every day, I read Proverbs 6 this morning. And, and one of the reasons why Proverbs is such an important book is basically God basically has said, if you want to know how to live a wise life, not a foolish life, but a wise life, I'm going to basically tell you in one book of the Bible. I'm going to tell you everything from how to control your temper to, to, your, to, to, to how to guard yourself against the uh, excesses of alcohol. I'm going to talk to you about how to manage money. I'm going to talk to you about how to raise kids. I'm going to talk to you about how to be wise. It's, it's just kind of a, 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 a compendium of God's wisdom. And evidently Solomon felt that kindness was so important Here's what he had to say in Proverbs chapter 3. Listen to this. Never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will gain a good reputation. And Solomon, here's what Solomon said in effect. He said in effect, you would be better off leaving home without American Express than you would to be leaving home without kindness. 
He said, every day when you get up, just put a little necklace around you and you wear it all day long and the beads are made out of loyalty and they're made out of kindness. And what he was saying was every morning when you get up and walk out the door, whether it's to go to work or go to school or wherever you're going, you ought to wear kindness around your neck just like a necklace. Now, turn over to Proverbs 19. Listen to what he says in verse 22. In Proverbs 19, 22, he says this. What is desirable in a man is kindness. Question. Desirable by who? Who, 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 who desires me to be kind? I'll tell you who desires me to be kind. Number one, God desires me to be kind. And number two, you desire me to be kind. That's what's desirable. I mean, God said if there's one thing that's really desirable, if there's one thing that's really attractive, if there's one thing that's really magnetic, it's when a person knows how to be kind. There is nothing that people want from you and will enjoy from you and will cause people to remember you more than simply being kind. So what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you three secrets on how to kill people with kindness. You can write these down in the back of your order of worship. Here's the first thing. Number one, show kindness with your deeds. Show kindness with your deeds. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you're a voracious reader or not like I am. I, I read every day, and I read books, and I read magazines, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a voracious reader. And, and, and there's always one topic I'm always reading about, always. I'm always reading something about leadership. I, I just, I, I just, I, I want to be the best leader I can be. That you know, I think that's what God has called me to be—a shepherd as a leader. And 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 one of the things I've learned is that tenderness can motivate people to do things that toughness never can. And I've learned that the great leaders never drive people with the crack of a whip; they lead people with the warmth of a kind word. You know, I, I was reading um, uh, this morning, and as I was working out, I was reading Time magazine. And on the front cover, they had a picture of President Obama and President Reagan. And they were talking about how Obama's trying to kind of channel Ronald Reagan. And he's kind of made Reagan kind of his, you know, his mentor and so forth. And, and I got to think, you know, we're celebrating the centennial of his birthday. And I got to thinking about what was it that really endeared Ronald Reagan to so many people? Democrats, Republicans, independents, rich and poor alike. What, what was it that so endeared Ronald Reagan? And, and, and I've become convinced one of the things that people just sensed about him is that he was really kind. Now, I, I, let, me, let me, you know, full disclosure, I want to be fair and balanced here. I, I want to admit to you, Ronald Reagan is, is one of my heroes. And I, I, I'm not, that's not a political statement. I just, a lot of reasons I admire him. Uh, I collect everything, anything, any books read about Ronald Reagan. I bought it. I've got it. I've read most of them. Um, and, 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 but there's a story about Ronald Reagan I bet you've never heard that really touches my heart. And it was more before he even became the president of the United States. In 1976, he was running for president. He was the governor of California. He was running for president. And he was getting ready for a rally in a North Carolina parking lot. Well, a lady came over to, to one of his aides, and, and she said, look, I've got a group of blind kids over here, and, and since they can't see Governor Reagan, I was just wondering, would he just walk over and tell these kids hello? Well, this aide passed the request along to Michael Deaver, who at that time was Reagan's chief of staff, and he was standing nearby. So he goes over to Reagan, and he whispered in his ear, and Governor Reagan said to Deaver, he said, um, I'll do it under one condition. I don't want any photographers 
Now, here was a man in the middle of a presidential campaign, and you know what the press would have done? They would have gone wild with him with a photo of him with a group of blind kids. But Governor Reagan said, this is not for show. I want this just to be between me and these kids. Well, Reagan waited around until all the reporters and all the photographers got back on the bus to leave. And when they had cleared out, Reagan went to the area behind the podium where these blind children were. Now, there were about seven kids, about nine years old. Every one of them were blind. Let me tell you what Reagan did. He didn't just walk over and speak to these kids and leave. Here it was, hot summer day. Reagan sits down on the pavement of that parking lot, and he starts talking to them. Well, after the kids ask a couple of questions, he said, now I've got a question for all of you. Well, listen to this. He said, would you like to touch my face so you can get a better understanding of how I look? Well, the, the kids excitedly squealed and said they would, and Reagan just sat there while one by one, those little blind kids came up to him and began moving their fingers over, over his face to see what he looked like. 25 years later, that same aide that set this up said, and I'm quoting, the only picture of that scene is the picture in my mind, but I can still see those little kids touching Ronald Reagan's face and smiling those really big smiles and thinking, what a kind man Ronald Reagan really is. If you want to live a happy life, and I do, if you want to live a life without regrets, and I do, if you want to live a life without bitterness and anger and rancor, and I do, take every opportunity you can to be kind to other people. Because as Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, you cannot do a kindness too soon, and you'll never know how soon it will be too late. My... um, my mom, as most of you know, is, uh, is not able to come to church anymore. She's just got some physical frailties that, that just won't allow her to come to church anymore. And so um, I, I'm writing another book that will be published uh, this, uh, this fall, this September, with Harvest House. And uh, so I got uh, an email from my editor the other day. And he said, hey, James, he said, you haven't dedicated this book. You, you wrote a dedication. My, if you notice the book I just wrote, I dedicated to Dr. Adrian Rogers. And uh, so he said, you haven't dedicated this book. And uh, the title of the book, by the way, is God, I Have a Question. And what I've done is I've taken the top ten questions I've been asked through my ministry, throughout my ministry, and basically written a chapter answering each question. That's kind of what the, it's kind of been a dream book I've wanted to do. I haven't even thought about a dedication. So uh, he said, you know, you, you need to get me this dedication. We're kind of finishing wrapping up on the book. So I, I sat down Friday afternoon. I just was saying, now, who am I going to dedicate this book to? Who, who, who do I want to dedicate this book to? Who, who's really had the biggest influence on me and my faith and my Christian life? Well, it was my mom. So I, I sent back an email. And I said, you know, I dedicate this to my mom who taught me from an early age to have confidence and trust in God or something to that effect. So I thought, you know, that's going to be really neat when this book comes out. And I'll go give my mom the book, and I'll say, "Hey, mom, look in the front, and you know, and 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 you know, maybe she'll feel good enough to bake me a pie. You know, who knows how that's going to work out?" <laughs> and then I thought about it, and I was thinking about this message, and I said, "But mom, I hope she is, but she may not be here." So I picked up the phone, and I called her. I said, "Mom," I said, "Hey, you know, I just finished my book." And she, oh, you've been working on it? I said, yeah. I said, actually, back up. Joshua's with her, having lunch with her. And, and I called Joshua. I said, Joshua, I'm going to text you the dedication to my book, and I want you to read it to mom. So I texted him the introduction, and, and, and then cell phone rings. It's mom. Boo-hoo and cried, you know, the whole nine yards. I love my baby boy, you know. 
And I said to her, I said, Mother, I said, let me tell you why I sent it today. I said, I hate to spoil the surprise, but I said, you know, I just was going over my own message, and I said, better to do a kindness too early than do a kindness too late. And it's so true. So show kindness with your deeds. Number two, share kindness with your words. Share kindness with your words. Now, I got some good news for every one of you in this room. I don't know what kind of a personality you have. Maybe you're a little more of an acerbic personality. Maybe you're more of a taciturn person. You know, maybe, you know, you're one of those people that if you were ever smile, it'd break your face in half. I don't know. But can I tell you something? Every one of you in this room carries a kindness kit around you everywhere you go. It's called the tongue. God gave you your tongue to be a kindness kit. And you, you get to open that kindness kit all kinds of times and all kinds of places. And I don't ever want to underestimate the power of just one kind word. An old Japanese proverb says, one kind word can warm three winter months. And, I, I, and I'm just raising the question here. How many times have all of us been guilty of having the opportunity to respond to someone with kindness who was unkind to us, but rather than doing so, we said something we soon regretted? Now, I want you to hear this. Kindness is not just how you act. Kindness is how you react. It's how you react. It's how you react to others. Now, I, I talked about loving our enemies. You know, it's one thing to be kind to a friend. It's another thing to be kind to an enemy. It's one thing to be kind to those who like us. It's another thing to be kind to those who don't. I, I don't know if you read cartoons. I, I quit reading cartoons a long time ago. Nothing wrong with it. I just don't read cartoons anymore. But I don't know if you read cartoons or not, but, but and, and some of you will show your age, but how many of you remember the cartoon Sluggo and Nancy? How many of you remember that cartoon? All right, a few of you. Come on, admit how old you are. Raise that hand real high. All right, I see those hands. Okay, well, for those of you who said, what is a Sluggo, Sluggo and Nancy? Let me tell you about Sluggo and Nancy. Nancy was this well-to-do girl from a very, very nice, rich family. But her best friend happened to be a kid named Sluggo who was a poor kid who lived on the other side of the track, so to speak. Well, in one of these cartoons, he's talking to Nancy. And he said, you know, Nancy, he said, that new kid in school, you ever, have you ever met him yet? She said, well, I've seen him. He said, he's nothing but a big fat head. And, and Nancy said, you shouldn't call people names like that. I never call people names. Sluggo said, well, I just got mad when he said you were stupid looking. And Nancy said, well, what else did the big fat head say? <laughs> now, We, we need to learn, really, we do. We need to learn to be kind with our words. Can I just give you a little practical, little advice? Just two quick things. It's just some of you don't even realize it. You go into a restaurant and you order a meal. You don't like the service or you don't like the food or you don't like how fast the food came out or you don't like the temperature the food was when they served you. How you react is going to be determined by one simple thing. What's more important to you, the waiter and the waitress and your witness or your food and your satisfaction? When you go to leave a tip, this is an act of kindness. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, don't leave a cheap tip. Let me tell you what I have done. I used to, I used to do this and I won't do it anymore. When I'd get bad service, I'd leave a bad tip. I used to do that. 
But every time I go to a restaurant, I do two things. Number one, I always ask the waiter or the waitress, how can I pray for you? Well, I don't want that waiter or waitress after I leave praying, I'd give them a bigger tip. The second thing I always do is I always leave a little sure card. And I always say, whoever the waiter is, I, and I'll always say, thank you know, thanks for serving me, you know, and I always sign that card. Well, it forces me to do something that sometimes a waiter or a waitress doesn't deserve. I leave a good tip. And you say, well, why would you leave someone a good tip if they didn't serve you well? Well, it's called grace. Giving people something they don't deserve. And it's also called my witness is more important than my food and it's more important than my service. Now, having said all that, I want to address something right now because I don't want you to hear. See, so often when you hear these messages on love, joy, peace, patience, you know, so on and so forth, so often we hear these songs, the, 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 these sermons, and, and we get the wrong idea. And so I, I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you because this is not what kindness means. Because kindness is also very misunderstood in our culture. See, we're living in a day where we're being told you can't condemn anything, you can't condemn anyone, because if you do, if you say this is wrong, if you say that's a sin, if you say you don't believe in that, if you don't believe in this, then here's what people will say, you're unkind. And some people think kindness is a sentimental saltness of heart that tolerates wrong and never condemns anything. Now, that's foolish. I'm going to give you an example. Suppose I go to the doctor. He examines me. And suppose the doctor discovers that I have a tumor. Well, what if he says to himself, now, I, I don't want to cause him any pain. I don't want to upset him. I don't want him to leave here hurt. I don't want him to be discouraged. I don't want him to think I'm intolerant. I don't want him to think I'm mean-spirited. So what if he were to come back and he would say, and I said, hey, doc, how did all the tests come back? Oh, man, you're, you're great. Man, you're good to go. You, you should live a long time. I, I didn't see anything wrong. Just don't worry and be happy. Now, let me tell you something. He's not really being kind to me. He's being unkind because a doctor who is kind will tell you the truth. He will tell you if there's something inside of you that could hurt you or kill you, regardless of how much it may hurt for you to tell him that. Let me tell you something. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. And sometimes a friend will tell you when there's something in your life you need to correct. And there are times in your life when you may have to be kind enough to tell someone there's something in their life they need to correct. And I'm going to tell you something I've learned. That's when friendship's put to the test. That's when you determine just how real a friendship really is. And so you, you, don't, have, you don't have to say, well, I, I can't say anything that might be a critical nature. I can't say anything that, 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 that might, you know, might upset someone. I mean, look, when, when someone like me, when I get up and talk, I talk about sin. It doesn't matter whether it's sexual sin, financial sin, marital sin, emotional sin, or mental sin. Always remember, I'm not being unkind. I'm being kind. I'm doing what I know you need to do. Because sometimes when people bring true constructive criticism, and I mean constructive, they're not being unkind, they're being kind. And I say that to make a point. You not only can confront someone when they're wrong, you ought to. It's the kind thing to do. You can bring correction in a situation. You can tell the truth without being unkind. So we're to share kindness with our words. We're to show kindness with our deeds. Now, here's the last thing. We're to sow kindness with our heart. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is kind. It's kind. Sometimes love is heard in a kind word. 
Sometimes kind, uh, love is read in a kind note. Sometimes love is felt by a kind t- touch. And, and I want to encourage all of us in this room who are believers to do everything we can to show kindness to unbelievers. Because you see, in reality, you know what kindness really is when you get right down to the bottom. You saw it in Pam Liddy's video. Here's what kindness really is. It's just going out of your way to reach out to somebody else. It's just going out of your way to reach out to other people with God's love to do all that we can to help them experience the God that we love. And it's amazing to me how you can be kind in the simplest of ways, in the easiest of ways. I want to go back to Jesus for a moment. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, there's one of the most amazing statements in all the Bible that if you just read it on your own, you, you really wouldn't pay much attention to it. Let me tell you the story. A man with leprosy had come to Jesus and said to him, and he just made one statement. He said, Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, the most horrible disease in the entire Bible, if you know your Bible, is, is leprosy. As a matter of fact, if you really know your Bible, you understand that leprosy is a picture of sin. It's a physical picture of spiritual sin. Leprosy was the age of the, modern, of the biblical world. Now, in Matthew 8, 3, I want to throw it up on the screen. I want you to read it. And you would read it. You'd probably say, well, there's no big deal about it. I mean, what's the big deal about that statement? Listen to, this, listen to what Jesus did. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Now, you may be sitting there saying, okay, I don't get it. Why is that such an amazing statement? Because Jesus healed a lot of people. You're right, he did. But here's what's amazing about that story. What's amazing is Jesus, the Bible says, reached out and touched him. It is the first time in all of the Bible, never find it in the Old Testament, never see it up till now in the New Testament. It is the first time anybody is ever recorded in the Bible as actually reaching out and touching a leper. First time. Because lepers weren't touched. As a matter of fact, lepers really weren't talked to. It was a touch of kindness. I remember when I was pastoring my former church, we had a man who got saved in that church, and he had been in prison. He had gotten raped. This was back in the early 90s. He'd gotten raped in prison. And through that one sexual encounter, being raped, he contracted AIDS. Now, if you remember, this was back when people thought, man, if you just people breathe on you, you're going to get AIDS. You remember how that, how that worked? Well, he came to our church. I personally baptized the man. He was very, very faithful as long as he was able, but then he got very, very sick. And um, he had all these, you know, the open sores and so forth. And so uh, it was about two or three days before he died, and so I went out to his home to visit with him. He was being cared for by his brother, and I went out to his home to visit with him. And he was so sick, and he couldn't hardly talk. And uh, so I'd spent some time, and I'd read Scripture with him, and I'd, you know, spent some time, and he, he, we went over again his salvation, and he let me know, Pastor, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to meet the Lord. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to meet God. I had no question about any of that. And I said, well, I said, I want to pray for you before I go. He was in a hospital bed. I want to pray for you before I go. He said, Pastor, that'd be great. So I knelt down there at the couch, and I started to pray for him. 
And boy, the Lord spoke to my heart. And I, I, I'm ashamed in a way of what I'm going to tell you, but, but I knew the Lord was telling me, you need to go get in the bed with this guy, put your arms around him and pray for him. I don't know that I've ever done anything in my ministry that was harder for me to do in my entire ministry. I don't know of anything I've ever done, and I'm ashamed of this. I'm just being honest. It was so repulsive to me to do that. But I walked over there, and I got in bed with that guy. I put my arms around him. And before I could even say anything, he just starts to weep. And I thought about this passage and just how much just a touch, just a touch of kindness. Now, please hear me. Not only am I not the hero in the story, to this day, I'm ashamed of, 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 of my repulsion. To this day, I'm ashamed of it, and I repent of it, and I confess it before you. But I learned a great lesson that day. The lesson that I learned was Jesus was so determined to show us the kindness of God, he gave his life. You understand that? He died on the cross so you and I could experience the kindness of God. Dr. Paul Brand is, is no longer with us, but uh, he was a leprosy, leprosy specialist. As I told you before, leprosy is a terrible disease except in its very early stages because if you don't think about leprosy, you know the leper, leper does, they don't feel pain. Um, um, as a matter of fact, that's their problem because the full term, if I can say this right, is leprosy bacilli. That's what the full term is. And what happens, leprosy deadens the nerve cells. So if a, if a man has leprosy, for example, say a man has a leprous hand, you can nail, you can put a drive a nail right through his hand. He won't feel it. If he's got leprosy in his feet, you could hit him his toes with a sledgehammer. He absolutely won't feel it. And so when you have leprosy, you can no longer feel pain, and so patients can even damage their bodies and not even know it. A leprosy patient can walk all day on a sharp metal screw, screw never, ever know it. You could drive a nail into his eyeball. He wouldn't feel any pain whatsoever. Well, the pain that the leper felt in Bible days and the pain that lepers still feel in some societies today, it wasn't physical. That was not the pain. The pain they felt was personal and, and it was social. They were rejected by the community. They were total outcasts. Now, here's the story I want you to hear. Dr. Brand told of a bright young man he was treating in India. And, and, it, and it was very obvious this, this guy had a terrible case of leprosy. And Dr. Brand said, during this examination... He simply laid his hand on this man's shoulder and told him through a translator of the treatment he was going to give him to cure his leprosy. Well, to his amazement, before he could say anything, this man begins to just shake almost violently and uncontrollably, and he is just bawling his eyes out. And Dr. Brand looked at the translator, and he said, have I done something wrong? And when the translator asked this man why he was crying, the translator turned to Dr. Brand and he said, Dr. Brand, he said, the reason he's crying is because you put your hand on his shoulders. He said, in all the years he's had leprosy, including his own parents, you are the first person that's ever reached out and touched him. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. You're going to leave this building in a few minutes. And you're going to walk out into a world that is covered with the leprosy of sin. And God wants us to reach out in the spirit of kindness and touch those people and love those people and bring those people to God. And I want to be honest with you. You know why we don't do it? You know why a lot of us never get involved in the lives of unbelievers? It's messy. 
and it's costly, and it's time-consuming, and it's dirty, and it's not easy. And that world is hostile not only to what you believe, but many of them are hostile even to the one that we believe in. And yet God says to us, I want you to reach out to them anyway, and I want you to kill them with kindness. Now, you may have noticed that the title of our message was R-A-O-K. Anybody know what that stands for? Random Acts of Kindness. Now, I want you to pull out this card. Everybody got a card in their order of service. I want you to pull this card out. You see, see the card that says R-A-O-K? You see that card? Kindness doesn't have to cost money. Here are some things you can do for others at no cost. Babysit for free. Bring some goodies to your local fire station. Pay the toll for the person behind you in line. Roll an elderly neighbor's trash can back up the driveway at the end of trash. Pitch in and clean up the yard of a neighbor who is ill. Have a cleanup party in a nearby park. Write something nice about your waiter or waitress on the back of the bill. Volunteer with your children to help at a soup kitchen. Hey, did you know we have food pantry and closed closet ministers right here at Cross Point? Great place to get involved in the ministry of kindness. Stop by a nursing home and visit with a resident who has no nearby family. Just random acts of kindness. I was in Starbucks this week having a meeting. And a man I was meeting with was telling me, about, a, uh, about a, a, a person who goes to another church and they were at a, a um, um, car place and there was a lady in there, she was a single mom and she needed four brand new tires and she could only afford two. He said, this lady felt impressed to go up to the counter and said, I'll pay for the other two tires. As a matter of fact, she says, I'll pay for all of them did that, and then just gave her a little card and invited her to her church. Now, I know some of us don't have the financial wherewithal to do that, but my point is, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to apply this message. I want you to go out this week, and I want you to do this seven times. I want you to do it once every day till next week. I want you to do a random act of kindness for somebody. I want you to go out of your way. I want you to inconvenience yourself, however it may be. I want you to do a random act of kindness. Now, by the way, you'll notice on the back, you'll say, well, why is the patience card there, okay? Remember we talked on patience last week? Well, we didn't give it to you on purpose. Thanks for waiting, all right? Now, <laughs> let me close with this. In my quiet time this morning as I was going over this message, I got to thinking once again, I have repented of my sins I have placed my faith in a man who I believe to be the Son of God who lived a perfect life and died on the cross. And I have been able to do that because of the kindness of the God that made me. And I just want to close with this. You may think you can be a kind person without Jesus Christ. You really can't. Because all of our kindness out of, ought to flow out of what God has done for us in his kindness toward us. And I want to tell you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, if you've never experienced the joy of knowing him and loving him and serving him and obeying him, the kindest thing I will ever do for you today is to tell you that if you will experience the kindness of God through Jesus Christ, no matter what you've been through in your life, no matter how bitter and angry you may have walked in here being, 
If you'll give your life to that Jesus, he can so transform you and can so touch your heart, you can be kind in a way you never dreamed possible. Let's pray together.